0: Hey there, this is Josh, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Well, it may not be a surprise to you, because we see it all the time, but of course our world is changing. I would go as far as to say that our culture is changing as well, and one of the biggest changes that I've seen in recent years, and I think it's happening pretty quickly, is the growth of a new group within our society. That is those who call themselves religiously unaffiliated, or in short, they call themselves nuns, N-O-N-E-S, nuns. And what those who call themselves nun are saying is that they don't have any religious belief whatsoever. They have no belief. They are none of the above. And so when they are asked to check a box about what you believe or what religion you are, they check none. Now, today in the United States, the nuns are the second largest religious group. Not religious, but largest religious group. And in Europe, the nuns are the largest. They are almost 25% of the U.S. population right now. Those that call themselves people with no faith whatsoever. Just by way of comparison, that means that there are more nuns than there are Catholics or N-U-N-S, nuns. There are more nuns than there are mainline Protestants. There are more nuns than all other non-Christian faiths combined. So who are they? Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, 35% of those who call themselves nun um, are made up of of the millennial generation, those born from 81 to 96. They primarily are made up of people who come from families that at one point had some kind of faith. In fact, they come from families that used to go to church, albeit irregularly, they had a church that they called their homes. The nuns have looked at that and said, no thanks. They're mostly younger. They're mostly white or Caucasian. They're mostly men of higher education. Now, even now, as I'm describing them to you, I bet you're picturing some nuns that you know, some folks that you've met. It's not hard to say that, though, because they're one in four in the U.S. population right now. You definitely know some. I know some. I am actively engaged with the nuns in my life. I like to engage them, to talk about these things. I like hearing about why they left faith. I like wrestling with that topic with them. It's not easy, but I know the conversation is important, and so I pursue it. But this is why nuns say they have left faith faith in general. First of all, they say that they don't believe. And by that, they mean that they have seen too many Christians doing too many unchristian things. They also say that they've left because there is a lack of any scientific support for a creator or miracles in the world. They also say they don't believe that there is a creator because somewhere along the line, Belief just became silly, childish. They dislike organized religion. They say that they no longer believe in it because they have this personal conversation. If there's a creator, they might as well just talk to him or her. But why do you need to go to a church or be a part of a church? They think that because there isn't religion, then it's just about the business of church and therefore just about money. Of course, the... uh, Clergy sex abuse scandals figure high in their reasoning for not attending church at all anymore. And they also go on to say that for those who of the nuns call themselves religiously unsure or undecided, they think, well, I have an open mind, and being open minded means I can't settle on any one religion. And to settle on one would be to deny the other, so I will settle on none of them. They must all be wrong. And that maybe there is one out there, but it can't be nailed down. I've got to believe you guys have encountered folks just like this because there's a lot of them. They say these things and much, much more. And in fact, for every one person that becomes a Christian, four more people leave the church. So this is a very rapidly growing group. To all of that, I would say, I hold the church responsible. I blame the church for all of the statements that the nuns are making about it. I think it's on us. We have let those statements become true. In fact, every time I think that we give a shallow, simplistic, reductionist teaching about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, we are just laying the groundwork for more nuns. In fact, I would tell you parents... Be so careful about how you teach your children about who God is. Because if you are doing so in a shallow way, you are preparing them to become a nun, not a Christian. Every time we Christians, we in the church, misappropriate fear as a reason to believe in God, we've helped create more nuns. Every time we say that faith trumps reason, We are laying a foundation for the rejection of the most powerful, awesome, loving, just, reasoned being in the cosmos. Before you start feeling defensive, if you are, let me confess that I have over my time as a Christian, sometimes without thinking, made all of those same mistakes and many more. I know for sure I am positive of the fact that I have contributed to people leaving Christianity and embracing a life without faith. I didn't do it on purpose, but it doesn't matter. I was a part of that because I have said and done those very foolish activities. And if we're not careful, we can use today's gospel as justification to be hurtful and harmful to those that God really loves. So I want to look at a very important parable that Jesus told us, and I'd love for you to look along with me in Matthew chapter 13. It's in your bulletin. And here we read, or perhaps you heard Jesus telling a story about soil. And maybe as you heard that story, you think, well, yeah, these nuns, they're the hard path. They're the rocky soil. They're the soil with the thorns. So yes, it was bound to happen. That's what Jesus is saying. No, brothers and sisters. That is not what he's saying. No one is destined for any of these soils, even the good soil. These soils are places that we end up. Oftentimes, we end up in in these soils alone alone or in great pain, after we've done some life and when things haven't turned out like we thought they would, we've allowed the echo chambers of our own thoughts to go unchallenged and untested, and so we become one of these soils. And then, look at who we become. First, Jesus says this. He says, listen, listen. I love it. Listen. Why? Because we don't listen very much. He goes out and says, a sower went to sow. And honestly, that could be the end of the sermon right there. A sower went to sow. Why? Because that is the best news you've heard in a long time. One, there is a sower. There is someone out there looking to bless you and I and to do something great in our lives. There is a sower who wants to take you in your discouragement today And say, I have some seed that I want to plant inside of you. There is somebody, a sower, who says, are you hurting today? Then there is a God who wants to plant some good things in your life. Are you confused or alone or desperate or overwhelmed or hungry or scared? If you are any of those things, there is a sower looking to bless and equip, feed, come alongside of you and satisfy your deepest hunger. He is sowing you don't have to beg him to come your way. He's going to do him. He's not abandoned anyone, even those who don't believe in him. Did you see that? He doesn't abandon any of the soils. He never quits on them. He is a sower who is sowing seed and giving life. And that is some terrific news that I think we very quickly forget. And the nuns in your life, or perhaps the nuns here today, are people who don't see and believe this. They don't think there is a sower. But the sower that Jesus is describing is the same God of the gaps of our lives. The God of reason. The God who cares for children. The God who loves all of us, regardless of our state of belief or disbelief. He still loves you. And what he's saying is there is some free seed for you free air, free sunshine, free biology, free physics, free chemistry, free love, free giftings in your life, free dignity, relationships, humanity. All of that is free, the sower is saying. And then there is some soil. And he says, that's us. So let's talk about these four soils very quickly. The first, he says, is the path, or what other translations say is the hard path. Packed down. Well-traveled on. These are folks who have seen so much pain or abuse or suffering or ignorance or hatred, they've become jaded, cynical. They moved beyond skepticism to a hardness. And if this is you, allow me to confess, this is also the soil that I most identify with in my bad times. This is who I become when I am not in a good place. Because cynicism fits my skepticism. Fits me like a glove, in fact. And very quickly, I can find myself as somebody who uh, whose soil is the path. I can be that road. And I, let me tell you very often that when I am a, afflicted by cynicism, my faith just goes away. In fact, cynicism and faith can't live together. They don't coexist because cynicism acts like an acid to the bedrock that is faith, which is why when people whose soil is the hard path heard hear about the atrocities of the world or hear about misdoings in the church hear about Catholic priests who are abusing children the cynic shakes their head and says yep I knew it would happen I saw it coming and of course we saw it coming we see every bad thing coming we're cynics we expect it to all go wrong actually when it goes well when things go right we're the first to shut up and slink away Because the situation doesn't really fit our soil. You see, my cynical attitudes and prophecies are undone by things like rainbows and found money in the laundry. And when babies don't wake up when the phone rings, I have to tell myself, well, there is next time. Because I've got to be right. I love when I see this in creation. Several years ago, we went on a trip out west and we were at the base of the Teton Mountains and there was this river running through it. This beautiful scene at the end of the day. And right in the middle of this river were a couple of rocks and there was a tree literally growing out of these rocks. And my first thought was, how dumb. What a stupid place for a tree to grow. What I was missing, though, was the fact that the Creator was showing me that amazing things happen all the time in the most unlikely of places. And who am I to judge that? Proves me wrong. The seed gets sown by the sower wherever he wants, including in the middle of the river. And yet I'm the one who gets to judge it, right? No. But that's the hard path. The second path is the rocky soil. The rocky soil are the folks, they're not cynical at all, actually. These are the folks who have decided to give God a shot. The real problem for the folks on the Rocky Path is this. They are what-ifers. They believe that there could be something better around the next corner, and so they don't really, really commit. They hold themselves back. They hedge their backs because what if the sower messes up, right? What if we don't like it? What if I could have had something better? And all these what-ifs just start adding up. And after a while, the what-ifers become the rocky soil. There is no time for the seed to catch root when the what-if comes along and plucks it out and tears it down. The third soil is that of the thorns. Again, the seer... So the sower seeds and something good happens according to Jesus but distractions come along and it's not cynicism it's not what if but it's why not why not try something else why not taste that why not mix some Christianity with some Eastern religions and see what comes out why not just take the objectionable, objectionable parts of religion and chuck them all together and take the parts that I like Why not? Well, Jesus says those are thorns. And it chokes off any good growth. Because there's no commitment, there's no sacrifice, and there's certainly no submission to God. In fact, I would argue that we live in a why not world. A world that says there is no absolute, so why not do what you want to do? Why not lie? Why not cheat? Why not quit When you get tired of something, why not put yourself first all the time? What do you got to lose? No one else is going to do it. So you better do it. That's what the why not person says. That's what the thorns tell us to do. Problem with why not is there's this sower who came and gave his life. So that you and I would know how good and forgiving and merciful and powerful he is. And to all of that, the why nots have no good answer why someone would do that. So then there's this fourth soil. Hopefully you saw it. Jesus calls it the good soil. Soil that maybe has tired of self promotion. Soil that's tired of cynicism. Maybe it's tired of what ifs and what nots, I think it's the good soil is ready for some truth, for real life, for God to be God and change everything like he said he would for the good. And this good soil produces because God said it would. Maybe it produces, in fact, because it's had a lot of manure put in it, and yet even with all that manure, this good soil is still hungry for God. It doesn't give up, it doesn't give in to its own self-belief. And here's the thing that shocks me every time about this story, and I hope that you noticed it. Not just the soils, but this thing that is implicit in Jesus' comments, underlying the story is this very simple and yet profound truth, and it's this, soils change. Simple. Simple. Soils change. So if you're cynical, or if you're ifing your way through life, or if you are why-nodding every decision that you've got, you can change. You can be the good soil. Soils change. And if you are in a place where you are the good soil, don't believe the myth that you'll be there forever. You can go back to one of those other ones just as easy. So, these nuns that you know, they can change if they hear something better. If they aren't given more shallow, reductionist answers. If they know that they aren't lost or forsaken by the heart of God, who still loves them in spite of their questions. In fact, I would argue just the opposite about the nuns. I would tell you this. Nuns have put their finger on the very pulse of false religion. And we should thank them. We should thank them. That they have now once again shown us that this God that we some put, sometimes put out there is just so lame. And so when you thank them, take them out. Buy them a beer or a soda or a burger. Tell them that this false God that they've rejected really never existed anyway. So thanks for rejecting it. But the one who does exist has always been faithfully sowing your life and loves you. Engage them, these nuns, with reason. Read their books before you ask them to read your Bible. Hang out with them over and over, multiple times. Go to their parties, just like Jesus did, before you ask them to come to church. Yes, ask them to come to church, but... Let them know that you're interested in their life, in real relationship. Not just because you're worried about what kind of soil they are. Here's some great news, brothers and sisters. God's got that. He's all over what kind of soil they are. That's why he brought you to them. And maybe you need them as much as you think they need you. Maybe you're in one of those bad soil places. You've accepted some false gods and you need them to point that out to you. But this sower God that we follow, thankfully, he's not us. And so he wants us to be that good, worked over soil. Really, in fact, that's our only job. Did you see that? Because when you are that good soil, we see God move and act in ways that we could have never imagined as he grows things in us that we once thought were impossible. So let me pray. Father, we acknowledge, and I want to first just give thanks for the ways in which those those who have rejected faith are pointing out the false gods that we have ourselves believed in and that we have pushed on the world. Forgive us, Father, for misrepresenting you as badly as we have. Forgive us for not knowing your word, for not knowing your truth, and for trying to make you something that you're not. And I pray, Lord, that we can join with the nuns and say we want only the good sower. We want those seeds in our lives. We want only truth, not the manufactured ones that we come up with on our own. Thank you, Jesus, that we can change whatever soil that we were convicted that we might be today if we are what ifing or why-nodding our way through life or we have just become so cynical and jaded that we want to do nothing and we're apathetic. Forgive us of those things and help us to become that good soil. Help us to be vulnerable enough to choose that rather than more of ourselves. Thank you, God, that you never quit, that you never stop, and that you never fail. In your name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you've been a part of our conversation today. Our prayer is that you will take what you've heard and bring it to the Lord with the question, what would you have me do? To find out more about all the good things that are happening on our campus and how you can get involved, feel free to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and at our website, graceofcala.org. Go in peace.